Welcome to the Everything RVC podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Keeper, and I am here with a very special co-host today, Morgan Pease. Welcome, Morgan. Hi. So David is out, and I called you up at, what, 9 o'clock this morning? Yep. And I said, hey, Morgan, we need a co-host. I think it would be phenomenal if we had our first student co-host And you answered the call Mm -hmm. in very short notice. So thank you so much for being here. So, Morgan, have you listened to any of the podcasts before? I've listened to a few. Have you? I follow you guys on Spotify, though. Oh, very nice. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. And our guest today is Mary Flynn, professor of education and early childhood education at Rock Valley College. And we're going to get right into it. Um, Morgan, as I told you earlier, if Mary says something that you're more curious about, jump in, you know, ask a follow-up question. So, uh, Mary, you've been here quite a while. Will you start with your journey to RVC? So what brought you here on campus? What year? Well, um, you know, I kind of have to go back a little bit. Um, My true journey began in the summer of 1988 when I graduated high school and I knew I was um, I knew I was destined to be a teacher but I wasn't quite ready to leave home and go away to college and so my plan was to come to Rock Valley. So that summer my mom encouraged me to take a summer class. She said take an English class, you like to write, get it out of the way and so reluctantly I registered for a night class with uh, Mr. Mosley, who okay. was a uh, kind of a, a real figure around here in the 70s and 80s, from what I understand. And he was just a phenomenal instructor. Um, it was a night class that I never um, did not want to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, he just made it so fun. We wrote journals, and he would respond with really thoughtful um, commentary. So you knew that he was really reading what you were writing. And um, so then I, I just continued on and got my associates. Um, and as far as my, my journey here as a professor, um, it was uh, the early 2000s, I believe 2005. And um, a friend said, I, was, I had young children at the time, and so I was not teaching full time, but I was trying to keep my foot in the door. And so a friend um, said, uh, she was working with some grants out here and said, they're offering more education classes. You should check out Rock Valley. So I just kind of randomly sent a resume out here. And um, as luck would have it, a couple days later, just by coincidence, I happened to run into the interim president at the time at Rock Valley. And so I just mentioned to him, hey, I I just sent a resume out. I'd love to teach some of your education courses part-time. Hey, great person to run into. (laughs) Yes, yeah, it was just total coincidence. Mm -hmm. And so literally, that was on a Sunday. On Monday morning, I got a call saying um, we'd like someone to teach uh, the nighttime section of EDU 224, which is our intro to education course. Um, would you be interested in coming out and interviewing? And so I did. And um, so I taught part-time for about three years. And then when the kids were old enough to go into school full-time, a full-time position opened up in the remedial reading department out here. So um, I took it and loved it and did that for about 10 or 11 years. And then it was time for a change. And um, some positions opened up in education and early childhood again. And 
So I've been there ever since. So, so as you're talking, I'm thinking about Morgan sitting next to me, a current Rock Valley College student, um, also president of RVC SOS, very highly involved. You used a couple of words that uh, kind of struck me. I reluctantly took a class at Rock Valley <laughs> College. Morgan, has your experience been like that? What? I've taken a few courses. Like when I first started, I started out with like math, like mm-hmm. 96 or something, mm-hmm. something along those lines. So like when I first started, I was like, I feel kind of bad about myself. And then, but as time went on, like I found great professors mm-hmm. and then it just like mm-hmm. made my entire experience. Like I was like, everything changed for me. Sure. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I think I bring that up because I think a lot of people that go to Rock Valley, it's kind of that same story. It's I reluctantly, right? I reluctantly mm-hmm. took a class at Rock Valley. But then you get here and you fall in love with the school, you fall mm-hmm. in love with the teacher, and it sounds like that's what happened to you. Yes, and especially in the summer. I mean, who wants to go yeah. to school oh, in the man. summer? Oh, night class in the summer? <laughs> you know, I had just graduated <laughs> high school. Yeah, I was, right. you know, top right. of the world. Yeah, so I love that. Yeah. So, so you are at Rock Valley College. You start adjuncting. You're able to stay home with your little children, mm-hmm. and then a full time position opens up. So it was a very gradual experience for you. It, it was, and you know, I've always believed that Rock Valley is just—it's a gift to the community. I mean, we mm-hmm. service all ages. Um, my grandmother came out here when she was in her late fifties and got her GED. Um, my dad has taught classes for the continuing ed department. Um, actually, he's taught bartending classes. Really? Um, yeah. Hey, when might I want to take that class? Yeah. Morgan, so. did you know that? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> I mean, so I'm, literally there's something for everybody mm-hmm. out here. And, you know, when you look at your property tax bill and you see what a small percentage of your taxes go to support this awesome institution, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I just think it's, like I said, just a gift to the community that, that maybe sometimes we take for granted. No, I couldn't agree more, especially doing this podcast. I've learned that time and time again. So mm-hmm. many things I didn't even know about. So tell us about your current role at Rock Valley. You're mainly teaching which courses? Um, well, in the education side of it, I have I still have my intro to education class. Um, sometimes I teach um, children's literature. I have some internships that I oversee where students are out doing clinical hours in elementary classrooms or special ed classrooms. Um, and then on the early childhood side, um, there's we have a large number of courses there, and so I've taught about 10 or 11 different ECE courses. Um, and that ranges from child development to uh, curriculum for infants and toddlers to nutrition, health, and safety for young children um, and kind of everything in between. So. so, Morgan, do you have little ones in your life? Yes, I have a little sister. She turns eight. Okay. Seven. So tell us a little bit about what curriculum looks like for toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> Because what I'm thinking about is this weekend I had my um, granddaughter over and they, it's weird for me to say that because I'm so young, but I have a blended family and my husband had children young and then now she has two kids, Ophelia and uh, Luna, and Luna is a little over two. And I just, I'm fascinated by the developmental stages. So Mm -hmm. what, what are you targeting at that age for learning and development? Um, Well, a a big key to that is interaction, which is, it really strikes me right now, living through this pandemic, so much of what we are doing now, 
goes completely opposite of of really sound child development practices and, mm-hmm. and ensuring healthy development. Um, but just that the, the language acquisition um, starts so young, even before they're actually talking, you know, they're, they're listening and they're understanding more than we realize. Um, and then, of course, those fine motor skills and gross motor skills. Um, and, and actually, I mean, there are a list of standards and guidelines for um, children of all ages from birth, you know, all the way up. And so, yeah, there are specific things that that you you can do as far as just exposing them to language and um, to as many experiences and giving them just enough independence to where they're safe but yet they're exploring their environment and learning how things work and and just kind of making sense of what's around them yeah all of that everything that you're saying right now this weekend we were at a public event it was a funeral actually and uh, Luna she would walk into a room with a bunch of people that she didn't know, and she would take steps back with her dad, and, and she's mm-hmm. holding his hand, so she'd walk forward, she'd see that there's people, you know, too many people for her, way overstimulated, so then she started inching back, step by step by step, and I looked at her dad, and I said, you know, that's so cool that she recognizes when she feels safe, and when she doesn't feel safe at this young age, mm-hmm. and she's wise enough to, to give herself those boundaries that she needs Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's fascinating. So have you always loved children? Um, yes. I, I can't say, you know, as a teenager, I, I didn't do a whole lot of babysitting or, or that kind of thing. My family had a business, and I was always working there. Um, but I knew from the time I was in about third grade that I wanted to teach. And my the kind of the inspiration for that was I wanted to write on a chalkboard and I wanted to use the um, a reel to reel film projector, um, which are two things that you rarely yeah. see in classrooms anymore. Um, but you know that's kind of what inspired me. And then I had um, I had some just some awesome mentors and family friends who were teachers and. Um, just, you know, aside from being in my home, I think my a classroom is probably the most comfortable place in the world <laughs> so for now, me. Now you are instructing teacher educators. So that has to be really rewarding. It is. Um, but of course, you know, this is still the beginning of their journey. Mm-hmm. So the tough part is sometimes I don't always know kind of where they end up. Um, but with the early childhood, uh, one of the benefits to going online is that my enrollment has been very strong because many of my students are working in the field and couldn't take courses during the day, you know, when they were typically offered before. So I have very full classes and the majority of my students are working in the field as, you know, paraprofessionals, preschool teachers, teachers' aides, um, or working in child care centers. Some of them own their own daycare businesses. Um, and so the most rewarding part there is so many of them will tell me, you know, we talked about this in class and I tried it yesterday. And, you know, this is what happened. And so they see a lot of real world application. Um, or, you know, we talked about dealing with a, a challenging parent and I tried some of those strategies and I think they're working for me. So that's that's always wonderful to hear. So if David were here right now, I could just see him cracking a joke and talking about challenging parents. So give us some examples. I wish I had his wit. Um, give us some examples of what you have to prepare these students for 
What have you seen in terms of challenging parents? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, well, I started my teaching career um, teaching sixth grade in the Harlem District. Okay. And um, I was fresh out of college, and I assumed everybody grew up like I did and came from a home just like mine. And it didn't take long for me to realize that that was not the case. And so immediately I had to... Um, really gain an appreciation for um, every different type of situation, you know, and I had students from very affluent backgrounds, students whose families were really struggling, and then a little bit of everything in between. So kind of getting to know my students and getting to know their stories became um, extremely important to me. And one piece of advice I give all of my students now is, uh, really good teachers know their students and know what they need. And it's been that way from day one, and it doesn't matter what age your students are. Um, I just think really good teachers know who they're teaching. Um, you know? Yeah, I, I see you nodding, Morgan. What, yes. are, what are you thinking? <laughs> I don't know. I definitely agree because I had some teachers growing up that I felt like were distant with us, and then some mm -hmm. teachers who really put in a lot of effort. And I mean, I'm still in college and I can remember my sixth grade teacher who put in a lot of effort mm -hmm. I remember a lot of teachers who did that so I definitely understand like the both aspects of like being distant but then being super involved mm -hmm. sure yeah mm -hmm. and, and when you answered that question I thought wow what a beautiful answer because you could have focused on the parent which you can't control Mm -hmm. But you didn't. You focused mm -hmm. on the student, which you have influence over. And right. so if you can have some empathy instead of judgment, that's as soon as you started talking, I thought, okay, she moved right away from judgment and went straight <laughs> to empathy. And I think yeah. that's something that uh, at every level of education, I yeah. mean, imagine what we're going through right now with the pandemic and imagine, Morgan, just the classes that you've had and teachers and how yep. each teacher responds differently to the crises that each student is going through. Um, so I think at every stage of development, it's extremely important to know who's sitting in your classroom. Mm -hmm. It's also sure. like adjusting to situations, like mm -hmm. not even just like the pandemic, just in general of like students having bad days, students having really good days and just knowing what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, knowing the pulse yeah. of your classroom and, right. and also what's going on with them individually. So as you were talking about that example of I wanted to write on the chalkboard, mm -hmm. what will students say now if they're hoping to teach? Yeah. I, <laughs> I just right. really want a Zoom account. <laughs> oh <my>. Yes, right. <laughs> I remember that, you know, third grade class <laughs> where my teacher had us you know, doing yoga on Zoom before we got started. Right. <laughs> we had like an Elmo in my elementary school, and I remember that. That mm -hmm. was cool. I thought that was really cool. And then like middle school transitioned to like smart boards right and I was like this is super cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can see your personality yeah. being like that yeah when Morgan leads the Rock Valley College Student of Service um, meetings when we're face to face she puts her agenda up there and she has everything organized all over the whiteboard <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. gotta write the thoughts out right absolutely right. then we take pictures of them right yeah um, so the technology has definitely changed so uh, tell us about your experiences on campus as a professional. I know that a lot of people, I think um, yourself included, you, you do committee work, you are on um, hiring committees. You know, what, what have been some of your most rewarding extracurricular activities on campus? Hmm. Gosh. Um, well, you know, definitely after you're here a while, um, things change. 
you know, and so I've seen the evolution of several different things. And, and um, certainly there's been plenty of professors who have been here a lot longer than, than 15 years. Um, but um, I, let's see, I was a part of our um, employee development committee for several years, and that was really fun because it was kind of the social committee. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we had events, and we always had food, and, um, uh, you know, if there's a party to be planned, well, I want to be there. You know, that's <laughs> something don't, don't I do. Tell, don't tell Morgan and I that, because we need you then. Yes, we need you. We need, and... we need people that love event planning. <laughs> yes, um, and, and you know, I love themes and just going crazy with a theme and all of that. So that was really, really enjoyable um, at that time at um, holiday or right before winter break. Um, we would have the president's breakfast uh, for all of the staff, and we would help with, you know, all of that. And the administration would serve the breakfast to faculty and staff. And um, those events were just so important, I think, for morale and for networking. And, and so through that is really how I got to know, you know, so many other people on campus that I, I wouldn't have otherwise. So that that definitely goes down as a, a wonderful memory. Um, you know, unfortunately, money runs out, and so our, our budget got very, very, very small and then completely disappeared, and brown bag lunches just weren't the same. Right. But, you know, right. <laughs> what kind of theme can you put on um, a brown bag lunch? Right, and I tried, I tried. I did a schoolroom cafeteria lunch theme, and I think we had one or two people show up, and, you know, I had balloons and everything. So, um, yeah. As Mary's saying she loves themes, today is St. Patty's Day, and I'm looking at yes. her shirt, and it says, Coordinator of Shenanigans, Malarkey, and General Tomfoolery. <laughs> it just seemed, a friend of mine sent me a picture of this and said, you need this yes. shirt. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I agree. I That's how I got to know Amy Morgan, actually. Um, mm -hmm. She, you know, we have the scholarship, the Happy mm -hmm. Amy Scholarship that's coming up, and uh, she was on that committee as well, and I remember her husband made life-size Jenga and Connect Four games. I don't know if you remember that. It was in the student center atrium, yeah. and she was also a lover of party planning and <laughs> themes, and we need people like that on campus. In fact, if David were here, he would tell us uh, that we're planning a after-the-COVID party, and we want it to be the biggest party on campus when it's yes. safe. So yes. we know who to call. <laughs> Absolutely. I would I would love to be a part of that. We can burn masks and yes. all kinds of yes. stuff. <laughs> yes. I love it. So tell me what you're passionate about right now in your career. What's what's most on your mind in terms of your you know, just what's going on in in your field? I think there's a lot of changes, is that correct? Well, there are. Yes. Yeah. Um and I mean, early childhood and regular education, both, there's, they're changing all the time. Um, but certainly right now, the switch to online learning, you know, is huge. And so I'm doing a lot of reading on, um, you know, in student engagement and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think one of the things that really stands out to me in terms of what I'm passionate about is all of my classes are now online, and so I I went through a period where I was very angry about that <laughs> because I basically felt like my entire career w had changed overnight, mm -hmm. you know, and, and everything that I wanted to be um, 
a part of and, and in person with um, was being taken away. And the thing I completely hate, which is sitting in front of a computer all day, was what I was looking at. And Your so, new reality. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a very dark place. And mm-hmm. so I had to claw my way out of that and try to find um, the pros and the cons. And so while I truly, truly miss being in the classroom, um, as I mentioned, my enrollment is strong. And so I think I will have an online presence from here on out. I always thought I would retire before I ever had to go online, but I'm not quite old enough for that yet. So um, in the in the pro category also is because my time is a little more flexible, I've been able to be a part of um, some more community um, organizations, and I've been able to make some connections there and build some relationships that I would not have had the opportunity to um, if I was teaching all day. Can you tell us about um, those? So what, what sure. community organizations? So um, one of the first ones was the Family Peace Center. And they reached out to me, and this was just before COVID. And so we had looked at um, maybe some of my education students doing some internships there, working with um, the children that are there while their parents are receiving services for, um, because they're all domestic uh, domestic abuse survivors. And so they had a children's area, and so they were thinking maybe some of my students could write uh, curriculum or come up with activities or interact with the kids while their parents were um, getting counseled. So that's kind of where we began. Um, but then because, of course, of restrictions that where my students could not actually physically go into the center, um, I worked with some of the directors there to kind of put together some information for my students so that they could truly understand the role of a teacher when it comes to working with children from um, really tumultuous homes mm-hmm. and um, who, uh, you know, where violence was not uncommon in the home. And so um, we do a lot of talk about our responsibility as a mandated reporter and um, kind of what that looks like in the classroom. Um, So that connection has been really important and kind of hope to grow that as restrictions are lifted um, so we can get a little more involved. Um, Also, I've uh, formed a partnership with the Boys and Girls Club, and so for some of my classes, students have to do clinical hours in a classroom, and um, so one of the options for my students this semester was to do some small group tutoring with the Boys and Girls Club, and a lot of the students they're working with are students who are learning completely online, and so my students who have elected to to do that for their clinical are working with students um, in front of their Chromebooks and kind of they're acting kind of as a support for um, their the online learning for those students. Um, I was able to attend a meeting for the um, Early Childhood Learning Council in Rockford mm-hmm. and through that I've made some connections with the Discovery Center and also um, just this morning had a Zoom meeting with Alignment Rockford and they are working on some parent training um, workshops. And so that's kind of been exciting because I think I can maybe contribute to that, but I can also learn an awful lot that'll make me a better professor. So through some of those connections, um, I'm I'm really excited and it's kind of renewed some of my um, 
my excitement about teaching <laughs> since I can't be in the classroom. So that having that time to make some of those connections has been really exciting. Man, I can't agree more with what you're just saying. It, it forced us out of our comfort zones. For sure. And sometimes when we're forced out of our comfort zones, we are sort of catapulted into a creative mindset. And it's not what we would have preferred, but the outcomes sometimes are way better than we ever would have anticipated. And it sounds like your curriculum's probably even going to change based on these new partnerships. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, the Peace Center, I love that you're partnering with them. I know that we were talking about them mm -hmm. in RVC SOS. I know they did a big drive for formula, I think, and diapers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how many children are at the Family Peace Center at any given time? Do you know? Well, it, it varies. Um, you know, they're not a, uh, a place where people would stay overnight. It's a crisis center. Um, right. Okay. But they do help um, with housing if it's a situation where the, you know, the parent can't go home or has no place to go. They do help with housing. Um, but oftentimes when a, a parent comes in with young children, they have, you know, they've basically left with clothes on their backs and what they have. And so things like diapers and formula and snacks um, are definitely necessary. And I think for them, every day is a little bit different. Um, certainly there are people that, that call ahead and make an appointment. But in most cases, it's it's more of a crisis situation where there is no appointment, mm -hmm. you know. And, and actually, I've been down there three or four times now, and, and each and every time, you know, there's been an unexpected situation. So they truly are, um, you know, just living minute to minute down there. They yeah. never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's definitely a survival m mentality. And when you talk about training your interns to... Uh, respond to children in those situations. I know a lot about trauma background and what you're experiencing there is watching little children with their physiological response system really being messed with mm -hmm. um, because all of the mm -hmm. violence that they are being exposed to. And so they become more reactive as mm -hmm. children. And mm -hmm. so I, I thank you for sharing that example because um, I think it's sometimes forgotten in our field that you know, a, a person's, especially a child's psyche, uh, really can prevent learning. Absolutely. And, and mm -hmm. if we can be educated as, as people mm -hmm. in the classroom to look at the signs and be, be aware of maybe mm -hmm. what they're not saying, but some of the nonverbal uh, that they're giving us, I think that's going to make the, you know, the child have a better experience and maybe have some hope, and that's what they need at that time. Mm -hmm. Now, when you mm -hmm. were talking um Morgan was over here nodding emphatically when you started talking about how your life was really just catapulted into a change that you never wanted, mm -hmm. which was online instruction. I'm really curious, Morgan, what that was like for you. Well, Did you have a similar response? Yeah, because when the pandemic first started, I actually just finished my CNA course here at Rock Valley. So I'm glad that like it finished when it did. But I'm a nursing major, so I slowly watched all of my classes with lecture and lab go to online and then mm -hmm. in the when the first semester with the pandemic they just stopped the labs mm -hmm. so I didn't have that like hands-on activity anymore but then this past fall I finally got to like go back in but now there's a whole different barrier of like I get instruction with lab but I don't get that with lecture because it's all online mm -hmm. so I've definitely noticed like an adjustment in how I have to learn everything again because mm -hmm. it's like when 
you're a child growing up, you have all these years to build how you learn, how you study, and all these things. But then the pandemic just changes all of that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so even for a student, you learned how to survive, right? Yeah. I've always said to people, you know, what, what should I expect in college? Well, the raw truth of it is a lot of times you're learning how to survive. How do I survive this person's way of teaching, the syllabus, the assignments? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that come out of a college education is the resilience. You know, mm-hmm. you're learning different systems. Every classroom has a different culture and you're learning how to respond in that culture. And so now everything that you knew to be true mm-hmm. about learning was it just changed what just changed overnight yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but luckily like i like i've said like i have good professors mm-hmm. so they understand and mm-hmm. they work with us which i'm so thankful for and the thing like a pro of it is that we're working together more to mm-hmm. like stay together whereas mm-hmm. you know if you're in a classroom maybe you're too shy to ask that question or you don't want to intrude on the professor well now it's like you kind of have to right Mm -hmm. so you don't have an option so i've noticed a lot of my friends and i like building personal relations with our professors Mm -hmm. that's good that's Mm -hmm. awesome Mm -hmm. so i I know i want to keep an eye on the time um we always do a fun part on this podcast where we get to know you personally and we kind of ask you about, you know, your family life and we have you ask some or answer some questions in that bag. Uh, before we do that, though, will you tell us a little bit about what you enjoy doing when you're off campus? Sure. Um, well, uh, my husband and I have two children. They are 17 and 20. And so life, you know, kind of has revolved around them for so long, um, sports and activities and things like that. Um, and now my husband and I are finding, you know, we're not quite empty nesters, but we're close. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we find ourselves having conversations about things like lettuce and (laughs) I mean romaine spinach right right. like this is all there is um but um you know I love obviously love the warmer weather can't wait for spring um I'm a golfer um I'm a scrapbooker I'm a great big nerd um I have um lots of you know lots of friends and relationships from lots of different stages in my life and so keeping up those connections is really important so you know I I try to and and definitely during COVID I had the opportunity to you know reach out to some friends that I hadn't talked to in a while because no one was doing anything so you know that was kind of nice to reconnect Um, and I'm fortunate to have a lot of friends where we kind of can pick up where we left off you know after not talking for a while. Don't you love those mature relationships where you can go a year without talking even Mm -hmm. and you pick up and nobody's mad right (laughs) it wasn't like right you know it wasn't like back in high school where you know you didn't answer my tags yeah yeah it's like we know we're busy we respect you know that we all have our lives going on Um, so did you do the zoom and wine um, I have done a couple of those. <laughs> yes. Is there a different name for that? Wine and Zoom? I don't know. I know I have a few friends who've had even like book clubs and they get their glass of wine and they talk about their book or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever Netflix show that they're watching at the time. So what yeah. sports did your kids play? <laughs> um, you know, we always say that they were kind of... Um, they tried everything, but they're never going to be an MVP at anything. <laughs> so uh, my son plays high school football right now. Um, both played a lot of basketball. 
Um, you know, my husband coached the teams and things like that. Uh, a lot of volleyball, soccer, uh, hockey. Oh, wow. So um, you're thinking. Golf. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Our garage is kind of a wasteland of sports equipment. And <laughs> Now, since you're the theme girl and the party person, were you having all the friends over? Were you the mom that wanted the kids' friends at your house? Um, yeah, we did a lot of entertaining and still do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That was always my dream as a mom. I wanted to be the, the house that all the kids would feel comfortable going to. And sure. There's another benefit. You know what's going on. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yes. Yes. I remember when my, when I was growing up, this is a true story. When I was growing up on Claremont in, on the West End of Rockford by Farm and Fleet, it was Euclid and Claremont, kind of by Parker Woods. We were told to go outside and then they would shut the door and like lock the screen door Mm -hmm. and tell us to come Mm -hmm. back at dusk right (laughs) right i'm totally different now (laughs) like noah um where's your snapchat location what (laughs) right yeah 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 so times really have changed so you love to you have these hobbies are you a scrapbooker morgan no, but my grandma used to be, so I understand all of that. Yeah, yeah like the cricket, the double-sided yes. tape, the stickers. Yes, <laughs> yeah, all of that. That's the Christmas tree moment. <laughs> <laughs> the scrapbooking. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead to the fun part? There are questions right next to you. You'll just reach okay. in and grab two questions. Okay. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's just kind of whatever pops in your mind. How often do you people watch? <laughs> oh, God, all the time. All the time. I think people are hilarious and especially funny when they don't know they're being funny. So, so where will yeah. you go? Where do you love to people watch? Oh, gosh. Well, my brother lives in Las Vegas, and so I've been out there several times. Oh, that's a great and place to people watch. I tell you, I could just pull up a chair and, uh, you know, at a... And just watch. There's Mary on the strip all day long. Yes, <laughs> I love it. People. And whether it's the strip or if you want something more seedy, you go downtown. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, and I think the, just Walmart's um, <laughs> in our area can be a great place as well. Um, you know, and just yeah, because I, you know, people are unique and and mm-hmm. and just. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> so my mom and dad, I've talked about this in the podcast, they're both sick. And my mom was getting all these presents um, from, because I put it on Facebook, like mm-hmm. if anyone would send my mom a present or a letter, you know, something to just keep her spirits up while she's going through chemo, it'd be great. And then my dad, he got all pissed off because he said that when he first got cancer, nobody sent him any <laughs> presents. <laughs> So my cousin Gwen sent him a coloring book called The People of Walmart. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It was so bad, so wrong, and the perfect gift for my father. (laughs) So you might want to consider that. I might look into that. Yeah, Amazon, People of Walmart. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. All right, next question. Um, What would your perfect room look like? Mm. Oh, boy. A creative person being asked this question. Yeah. <laughs> you could even do, like, a house room or a classroom. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, well, I never thought I would have a classroom in my home, but that's kind of what my office has become, and it's far from perfect. 
Um, but I did just get a sign that I put up that said every day is a fresh start because I felt I really needed that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think a perfect room is just it's comfortable and it's welcoming and um, pleasing to the eye and well put together. Mm-hmm. Um but with a certain amount of organization, because disorganization is very um, anxiety-inducing for me. For mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I need that structure in my life. <laughs> so when you think of a space that you love to go, is there something that comes to mind right away? What's one of your favorite spaces? Um Two things come to mind. Um, I love the mountains and Colorado. Specifically, Steamboat Springs is a place that has a lot of wonderful memories of family trips and skiing and things. Um, And then the second thing would be I just, I love sitting on a pontoon and a lake in northern Wisconsin uh, with my feet up on the side and a cold beverage and there's just nothing better than that. You are you are speaking my language. Oh my gosh, that is that is well said. There's nothing better than a pontoon and a just that glass water when that water looks like glass and a sunny day. Mm-hmm. Oh, love it. How about yeah. you, Morgan? What's like the perfect space for you? I don't I don't really know. Like where you feel just at peace. I guess just like laying outside somewhere in the grass. Yeah, you like the grass, but I have to have like a blanket, otherwise the grass like makes my skin itchy. <laughs> right. So if I can just like see the grass around me, then I'm mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I feel like as like as I go older and go through life stages, like it'll change and there'll be like specific places of like where peace is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think as I age more and more it's nature it's wherever Mm -hmm. I can be in nature yeah Mm -hmm. you know I'm obsessed Mm -hmm. with like sunrises and sunsets Mm, like all my friends know me as like the sunset girl Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's just something like I love doing yeah there you go you find peace in a beautiful sunset definitely like nature like Mm -hmm. sure is it's just outstanding to me yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's unbelievable it's remarkable Mm -hmm. you know nature is just remarkable and it's sometimes I just I like taking photos of it, too. Do yeah. you all take photos? Sure. Yeah. I like taking pictures, but then it never turns out, like, as good. Right. So I just try, no, I'm try not looking a good photographer. <laughs> no. I try looking at it more and then, right. like, take a quick picture. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we do this thing on the podcast. This is the last question. It's the campfire question. And it's just sort of, again, we're sitting around the campfire, the three of us, the fire's crackling, and we're just talking about our sort of our dream after COVID moment. So for you, you, you've spoken very honestly about how I think you said you were kind of in a dark place when your classroom live was taken away from you. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that because I think so many of us can relate. And I think you used the words, I I clawed my way out of it, (laughs) uh, which I definitely can relate to. So camper question is after the COVID and you just get to really do and be where you want without feeling like you're at a, a safety risk. What do you want to be doing? Where do you want to be? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I really and truly miss um, things like concerts and, and big gatherings. And even my son, you know, he's playing football. Um, he has his first game Friday night, and it's 20% capacity, even though we're outside. Right. <laughs> you know, right. um, I 
because not only do I enjoy the event, I enjoy everything around it. You know, the the people and um, people watching, <laughs> right? and, you know, and the tailgating mm-hmm. and sharing food. And, you know, I, I love um, everything that surrounds whatever it is I'm there to see. Mm-hmm. So I, I really am excited for some of those things to come back because um, – my husband and I were just having this conversation. I don't see myself getting excited about, you know, a virtual concert that I can watch at home. I, I see no excitement there at all. You know, I wish, the, I wish the listeners could see her face right now. <laughs> it's just a repulsed yes. look of a, you know, online concert is not getting it for Mary no, Flynn. <laughs> no, no. So I, I hope to, mm-hmm. that those kinds of things, you know, they, I don't know. I don't know if we'll be able to have those great big gatherings for a while. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. I, I agree. I. It's really hard as a parent to watch the the sports change so much, mm-hmm. and you know I had to watch some of them online for my son's basketball game because they didn't let parents go to away games, only to home games, and mm-hmm. then the 20%. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the, the pro side, which you so eloquently decided to bring up, right, we have to find the, the pro side in all of these situations, is that, um, you know, it made me so grateful to go to those live events again. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I know you can relate to this, I have to go to another football game or I have another baseball game or right right <laughs> now it's like I get to go to a, a baseball game or I get to go to a football game right so right yeah I think that um, one thing that comes out of this podcast is perspective and making sure that um, again we're seeing people we're seeing children and we're seeing people for the struggles that they're going through as educators and making sure that we're responding and not reacting, mm-hmm. um, which takes a lot of self-discipline, mm-hmm. a lot of impulse mm-hmm. control to respond and not react um, when we're all in such a state of crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. I'm really appreciative of the work that you're doing to get future educators ready. Uh, I love the partnerships that you discussed. Um, and, and what about you, Morgan? So as you we wrap up this podcast today what kind of stands out to you about this I think experience? it's important to note that teachers don't just teach they have so much involved in that one specific role and I mm-hmm. feel like that's gone unnoticed pre-covid and during covid mm-hmm. so I think that's something that a lot of people need to recognize is that teachers can be parents sometimes they can be support systems they can do all of these things that any every student needs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I think that's an important outtake is that teachers just don't teach right yeah Yeah. I I love that and and it took me a while to understand that myself I remember getting some feedback you know when we you do those Mm -hmm. um the feedback forms at the end of the semester and I got them back and one of my students said um, she's kind of like everyone's mom. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm that old? I'm <laughs> everybody's mom? I don't see myself that way. And then I had to pause <laughs> and take it in and realize that that's a compliment. Mm-hmm. That's yes. a real compliment because a mom mm-hmm. cares and a mm-hmm. mom um, provides comfort and a mom looks out for you. 
Um, so I'll accept it now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for joining us on the Everything RVC podcast. Thank you. Um, this is my favorite part of the week. And Morgan Peace, thank you so much thank for you. being our first student co-host. It was great. All right. Have a wonderful day, everybody.